0: A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly, there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his native language? We are Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia. Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. The word of the Lord.
1: A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God, who produces all of them in everyone. To teach individuals, the manifestation of the spirit is given for some benefit. As a body is one through, it has, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body. So also Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, wherever Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we are all given to drink of one spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Please remain seated for the sequence.
0: From the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise
2: to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
3: Some of you might be wondering, why is there a sailboat in the sanctuary? And for those of you listening on the radio, it's not a full-size Uh, sailboat, but a little model. But I'll get back to that in a couple minutes. So this wonderful solemnity of Pentecost celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus to empower the Apostles, to free them from their fears and send them with new power, new strength. And there are several images of the Holy Spirit we can look to. Right in the first reading from Acts, we hear how the Holy Spirit comes as this sound of strong, driving wind. And then we have the tongues of fire on the apostles and Mary. The Holy Spirit has been called the soul of the mystical body of the church. And just as a human body without a soul is a corpse, if the church was not empowered by the Holy Spirit, she would be dead. But the Holy Spirit empowers the church all through the centuries, many different gifts and fruits. Some of the titles of the Holy Spirit remind us of his working. So the Holy Spirit called the Lord and giver of life, holy counselor, holy comforter, the Holy Spirit that, again, brings all the many gifts that build up the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit, again, poured out as we see the image of breath, the strong driving wind in Acts, but then in the gospel, Jesus breathes on the apostles, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. So the same word in Hebrew can mean spirit, breath, or wind. So I wanna focus on that particular uh, way we see the Holy Spirit as breath and wind, especially wind. And that's where I wanna use the sailboat as a way to look at how can we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I was fortunate to learn how to go sailing with my father when I was 13 years old. it is wonderful, there's a difference in sailing than there is in power boating. With a power boat, you can hop in and turn on the engine and just go wherever you want to. But with a sailboat, you have to have enough wind and not too much wind. And the direction of the wind determines how you're gonna have to tack the boat or turn different courses to reach your destination. You have to cooperate with the wind. So think of the wind again, the Holy Spirit, and the boat symbolizing our lives as well as the life of the Church. How do we cooperate with the Spirit? What do we need? So the boat itself has a mast, a vertical mast to which the sail is attached. The mast has to be very strong that it can hold up the weight of what happens with the wind. So think of the mast in our spiritual lives as the virtues of faith hope and charity that help us be strong and withstand uh, strong winds, to the mass of our boat, uh, love, faith, and hope, and the teachings of the church also. So that to attach to the mass then can be the sail, but the sail has to be raised in order for it to empower the sailboat. So think of the sails in our spiritual life as the gift of prayer, especially prayer to the Holy Spirit. Prayer lifting our hearts and our minds so we can cooperate with the wind of the Holy Spirit. If we're sitting with the sails down, it could be a beautiful wind, but nothing's gonna happen unless we have the sails lifted up. So lifting up our hearts in prayer allows us to be moved by the Holy Spirit then. And along with that, in the bottom of the sailboat, there can be a keel with a ballast, with weight, our sailboat had a thousand pounds of lead in the in the keel, because that allows it not to capsize when it's facing strong winds. It's the stability that it provides. So think again about the keel of our church, of our spiritual lives, as again at foundation of true teaching, orthodox teaching that is strong and faithful, has been passed on through centuries that foundation that keeps us from being turned over by the false winds of the culture. And so that brings us to, we're going to need a rudder, and the rudder is going to direct the boat. And who's got charge of the rudder might be the question. Is it the Lord? Is it myself? How am I aiming my life? Am I cooperating with the Lord's call? And they're directing it according to what I can see There comes a time where I might not be able to see the horizon, and then I need a compass, right? A compass is gonna allow you to see in the dark or see in fog or confusion. So think about the moral compass that the church gives us. A true compass, again, that is gonna guide us in truth and love. In the midst of a culture, can we say that our culture's moral compass is pretty broken the moral compass of society, not uh, bearing truth. That's where we need the church as our compass. We need faith to form our moral compass so we can reach our true destination in the Lord. And lastly, the boat is made for a purpose, right? The boat is made not just to be in the harbor, but it's meant to go out on the lake, on the sea, and then be able to go out on mission in a sense. We just stayed in the harbor that wouldn't fulfill the purpose of the boat. John Paul II, when we were entering the new millennium, called the Church to go out into the deep. Duke in Altum, in Latin. Go out into the deep for what the Lord has before us. That's really the call that we all have and why we're doing something like a Eucharistic Congress, to go deeper in our faith, to reach out more deeply to others so they come to know the Lord. So going out from the harbor to be able to, again, be in the boat, the boat is the church, we don't wanna bail out, we wanna stay in the church in the boat and allow the Holy Spirit to empower us. And so as we celebrate Pentecost, the Lord is reminding us of the power the Holy Spirit gives us. The gifts that we're given are not just for ourselves, but to build up the body of Christ again. And the fruits of the Spirit are allowing our character to become more Christ-like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. All those fruits grow as we surrender to the Lord and we begin to look more like the Lord in our character, right? I was remembering, just lastly, two beautiful images of the unity the Holy Spirit can bring when the Spirit is cooperated with. Many years ago, I remember going to the first charismatic uh, conference at Notre Dame University. And we were in the stadium there. There were about 40,000 Christians and Catholics all together praising the Lord, worshiping, gifts of the Spirit being exercised, but a beautiful sign of unity and the power of god and the second one was a world youth day privileged to go to in denver in 1993 and there john paul ii came to be with all the young people and it was so beautiful we were in mile high stadium 70,000 people youth from 88 different countries some had risked their lives to come from china to be there and, and be together with all those others from around the world. So the Holy Spirit brings unity, brings healing, brings us the power we need to persevere on our mission. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us receive afresh whatever gifts the Lord wants for us, and exercise our faith, raising the sails in prayer day by day, so that cooperating with the Holy Spirit, we can reach our real destination our homeland in heaven.